If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Story time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I've never been one to share my experiences openly, but the burden of carrying this story has grown too heavy. You might call me crazy or a liar, but I swear on everything I hold dear that what I'm about to tell you is the unvarnished truth. I was a part of the special forces, served in the shadows, unseen and unheard until the Iraqi war changed everything. It was a mission like any other, deep behind enemy lines, when my team and I were ambushed. The skirmish was fierce, bullets flew like angry hornets, and I found myself captured by the enemy. What followed was a descent into a nightmarish abyss, a place where pain was currency, and torture was the language spoken. They had a penchant for psychological warfare, for breaking a man's mind before his body. Fake beheadings, 
mock executions, they reveled in it, hoping to strip away our humanity. But I clung to my training, my sense of self, and endured the hell they put me through. There was one night, though, a sliver of hope in the pitch-black despair. The guard, tired from his sadistic endeavors, fell into a deep sleep. My hands, still bound, felt the cold steel of an AK-47 within arm's reach. It was now or never. With the silent precision drilled into me by years of training, I seized the opportunity. The guard never knew what hit him. His lifeless body crumpled to the floor, and I was free. I moved through the facility like a ghost, fueled by a mix of desperation and the will to survive. As I ran through the dimly lit corridors, my senses heightened, adrenaline pumping. That's when I saw them, humanoid figures, alien in appearance, restrained in what looked like transparent chambers. Eyes that reflected intelligence and suffering, bodies that defied earthly anatomy. The shock of the revelation nearly halted my escape. I couldn't comprehend the scene before me, extraterrestrial beings, subjects of experimentation by Iraqi scientists. I knew what I had witnessed was beyond the scope of human understanding. I sprinted through the compound, evading guards and dodging security cameras, determined to escape the nightmare that threatened to consume me. Days later, exhausted and half-mad, I stumbled into the welcoming embrace of freedom. But the horror didn't end there. When I shared my story with my fellow SEALs, recounted the unearthly sights and the malevolent experiments, I was met with disbelief and skepticism. No one believed the ramblings of a man who had stared into the abyss and emerged scarred. I've lived with this truth, or what I perceive to be the truth, etched into my soul. The scars on my body are nothing compared to the scars on my mind. I may be dismissed as a madman, but I know what I saw that night in Iraq, beings not of this world, imprisoned and studied by those who sought to unravel the mysteries of the universe. Believe me or not, this is my story, and it's a burden I carry with me every day. The truth may be stranger than fiction, but it doesn't always come with the comfort of belief. I was stationed on a base in the northern part Okinawa from 2015 to 2017. I work with ammunition and explosives so I worked inside an area that stored all of it. This place was a gated off 250 or so acre area on the cliff side. Well anyway, this place I worked at apparently had multiple mass grave sites from the World War II days. During my time there, an elderly Okinawan woman along with a large group came and toured through the area and she pointed some spots for the sites. Pretty wild to think about. So my actual experience that scared the shit out of me. Sometimes shit would happen that would require someone to go there during off hours. Because of my position at the time. It was always me. One night an alarm goes off and standard protocol is the MPs will come get one us from our barracks, me, and we'll head in and reset it. The MPs are there to make sure it's not legit and to give you a ride since the area is huge. We make our way to the front gate and get let in by the guards. After driving up for a few minutes we make it to the alarm location. The area is pretty well lit by orangish lights on the front of the structure. The rest of the place is pitch black. The only thing you can see is the next lit up structure down the road a ways. I walk up to the panel and reset this alarm that constantly gives us problems. No biggie. Same shit different day. I head back to the car with the MPs and we're kinda just standing around shooting the shit before we head back down. As we're getting the car and I'm cramming myself into the backseat of this patrol car I hear the loudest blood-curdling scream ever. My blood pressure shot through the roof and we all were wide at asking each other what the F was that? One of the guys I was with said it must be a mongoose. There was no way. Then again this here drum-shattering scream. We nope the F out into the car and start driving slowly away while the driver hit the tree line on the side of the road with his spotlight. Then again the scream. It stopped quickly but this time while the light shined through the wooded area we could hear branches and shit moving. Like someone running towards us from within the jungle. We sped off down road into the front gate. 
told the guards about it and they weren't even surprised. Said they hear crazy shit all the time. Sometimes they see the black figures way up the road just walking. That was my only experience. But I have some friends who have seen and heard wild shit up there too. There are tons of ghost stories for all the bases here. My favorite is the cigarette ghost. I believe on Camp Hansen? One of the gates, during the middle of the night a marine or soldier dressed in dirty used up fatigues from the 1940s, sometimes covered in blood on some encounters, or old style service uniforms would walk up the guard shack. He would ask the person standing guard for a light. He'd then walk away as he got further away only the cherry of the cigarette would be there. We have had three dogman sightings in the same place, at a house almost directly across from Wesley Cemetery on Highway 74 in the Wesley community. All three sightings occurred from our car at night while driving home. The first night, we were on our way home from Fayetteville, and it was about 11 to 11.30 at night. We were just talking and having a normal trip home. Both of us fell silent as we passed the White House across from the cemetery. I was driving, and I saw something huge run across the porch, jump off the end of the porch, do a barrel roll, then stand up and run across the field. Everything happened so fast, all I did was squeeze the steering wheel and take my foot off the gas. Then, I floored it. Neither of us looked around, and finally, I said, did you see that? My husband replied, yes. What the hell was that? I said I sure wasn't going back to find out. I avoided driving on Highway 74 after that for quite a while. After a year or more, we were coming home and tired, so we took Highway 74 again because it's much shorter than the other route from Fayetteville. Right when we got to the same house, a huge thing ran across the road on two legs, rolled into the ditch, and then galloped off on all fours. I was like, never again. Of course, after a few months, I drove that way again. Nothing unusual for quite a few trips. Then, after a late movie, well after midnight, maybe even 1.30, we passed the house, and something huge ran up the side of the road and stood there, shoulders moving like it was breathing heavily. All three times, we both felt like it wanted us to look at it, but we refused to turn our heads, so it was all side glances, except when it ran across the road right in front of us. It was big enough that when it was on the porch, it was hunched over and had to go on its hands and feet to jump off the end of the porch. In terms of shape, it was very similar to the werewolves in Van Helsing. The hair was sparse, thicker on the back and shoulders, ears were pointy and laid back, with a huge toothy grin like a German shepherd that's been at play. It seriously freaked me out every time. I watched the rear view, expecting to see it coming after us. The area is dark, but there is a night watcher in the yard of the White House and at the cemetery, as well as the headlights of our vehicle. The first sighting was on or near a full moon because it was very bright out, and the porch light was on. The second and third were maybe half moon. Not nearly as bright. All three sightings were in the winter or very early spring with no foliage. These events all took place between 1999 and 2000. The strange thing is that the White House is a rental, and it never stayed rented for more than two to three months. Then, we would see people moving out and new ones moving in. If anyone had an outside dog, it didn't last long. I never stopped to talk to anyone, so maybe they rehomed every animal that lived there. I don't know. Now the house has been for sale for at least 10 years, and no one is interested. No one keeps cattle down in that valley at all either, which is strange. It's very green, lush pasture land that sits empty. We've driven home that way at night a few times since it's been empty and haven't seen a thing, not that either of us wants to. I served in the USAF from 2001 to 6. We were conducting warfare drills at my home base and working 12-hour shifts for a month straight. I was on the night shift, and we essentially performed our duties while a team simulated an attack on us. 
Even during these exercises, we had to support missions that weren't part of the exercise. One night, we received a request to drop off a generator and a light cart in the middle of nowhere in the desert. It was very late at night, and the request seemed unusual even for normal operations. I don't know why I wrote the above, but nonetheless, an African-American sergeant and a younger female airman were the ones assigned to take the requested items. The trucks we used for towing were like short pickups and weren't that fast, so it took them about an hour to get to their destination. When they returned about an hour and a half later, the African-American sergeant looked almost white in color, and the female airman was visibly shaken. They recounted that when they arrived at the drop-off location, both got out to unhook the equipment. A strange vibration and noise started from the distance but rapidly approached. The sound alone unnerved them, but what happened next had them running scared. A ball of fire lifted up out of the ground about 30 feet from them. When it ascended, the sound became deafening. They jumped into the truck and sped back to the shop as fast as they could. I knew both of these individuals very well before this incident, and the look on their faces that night gave me 100% confidence that what they saw was real. It traumatized them for a while, and eventually, they just never talked about it again. That's my story anyway. I have my own, but it isn't as personal or crazy, just saw some lights moving in the sky that were otherworldly. When I was 14, I found a body floating in the Flint River near Bainbridge. It was winter, so no alligator activity, but any body in water in the deep south is going to be horribly bloated, and this one was. Race, age and gender were no longer evident to my observation. When I was 19, I came across human remains in the woods surrounding the creek that ran behind my house. It turned out to be a hunter who'd gone missing in the early 80s. I picked up the femur thinking what a weird looking stick only to find that it was still attached to other bones. The realization of what it was was unsettling when my brain was telling me it was a big deer. Then I looked closer and there was a human mandible within a couple of feet. The fact that I was not disturbed by either led to me doing a lot of volunteer search and recovery over my life. I'm comfortable in remote areas, woods don't faze me, and a body is just a thing. A thing that deserves respect, and an important thing, but I never feel creeped out. I've found, aside from those two, four other partial sets of remains and one recently deceased individual who got lost in the Escalante Canyon. That one bothered me because even half a day sooner could have saved him, it's why I don't do search and rescue unless it's a child. I can't handle it, but I can put the feelings aside when it's a kid missing. On June 27, 2020, I was driving back to Austin, Texas from a trip to Southern California. I had my daughter and her daughter, six years old, asleep, with me in the pickup. I had taken 290 east off I-10, and it was around 11 p.m. We had gone a few miles on 290 when, coming up over a hill and looking down at the bottom of the hill, I picked up a pair of yellow, almond-shaped eyes off to the right. This part of 290 is fairly remote and heavily wooded with scrub oak, and there were no other vehicles on the road. The deer population here in the hill country of Texas is huge, and I was being extremely vigilant because I had already passed a number of deer grazing along the roadside. As we got closer, my headlights revealed a large creature, which I initially thought was a wolf, however, it wasn't a wolf or a coyote. It was on all fours and in a crouched defensive posture about 20 feet off the roadside. It had its head down, and its front legs were bent, but it was still taller at the shoulders, 3 to 4 feet, than its rear. It had a triangular head with pointed ears and a short tail. It was broad across the shoulders with narrow hips and a long neck. The coat on this creature was heavy or bushy below the neck, on the front legs, and tapered off towards the rear with the short tail being bushy. The front legs looked very muscular, and the feet were not very distinct because of the grass. It never took its eyes off us as we went past, 
maintaining the same posture. I thought it was unusual because I expected it to turn and run back into the tree line. My daughter got the best look at this thing as we went by. She quickly informed me that it was not a coyote or a wolf and urged me not to stop but to keep driving because she said it was a dog man, which I had never heard a lot about. This is the most perplexing wildlife encounter I have ever had. I grew up in Texas and have deer hunted all over the state when I was younger. I moved to California for 17 years and lived adjacent to the Cleveland National Forest, where I saw an abundance of coyotes, bobcats, and, on one occasion, had a close encounter with a cougar. This made my hair stand up on my arms as we got down the road, and I will never forget it. Lynn County, Oregon. In March 2017, it was 2.30 am, and it was another night of not being able to sleep due to back pain. I was lying on my side, reading when my very close by neighbor's motion detector lights turned on. This happened from time to time, and when it turns on, it lights up the entire side of my house. We have lived here for 9 years, and I have never once seen anything walk past my bedroom window at night. Since I was facing my large bedroom window, the very bright motion detector light going off caught my attention. I looked up and saw the silhouette of a dog man. I said, holy crap, it was walking past my bedroom window. I saw from mid-shoulder up, the shoulders were huge, and its head was humongous. It had pointed ears just like a German Shepherd dog and a very long snout. Its mouth was slightly open and I saw a large tongue that seemed to be along the side of its mouth. When I saw this creature and spoke those words, I swear that thing slowed down, smirked, and then kept going. That's all I saw that night. Last week, though, while in my bedroom again, I heard something huge land on the ground behind my bedroom wall. That wall has no windows. I heard a deep, really, really deep kind of raspy breathing. I just started praying pleading the blood of Jesus over my house, grounds around it, and all. I do this most nights, but sometimes I forget. I'm awake most nights until 3 a.m. Or later due to severe spinal issues and fibromyalgia. We live in a lovely manufactured home community, surrounded by lots of trees, close to canals, large open fields, and a lot of woods. I know this is what I saw. But the fact that I saw it has left me amazed. Why is it that when so many are also seeing them? I guess I just thought since I am in the house most of the time due to my health, I would never see them. The space between my neighbor's house and ours is about 10 feet. My husband went outside weeks later once I got the courage to tell him this had happened and measured the area by the window. That dog man had to be at least 8 feet tall. What concerns me greatly is that no one in the police department or government will alert people to their existence. People are walking around feeling a false sense of security, I know I did. I won't even try to walk outside anymore, and yes, I have cautioned my neighbors, the ones with the security light. I can't think of any other details right now, but it's important for you to know that several years ago, a homeless woman was camping out by the river here in Albany. She was found dead, and her tent was really torn up. I believe the police report in the newspaper said she was torn up as well, but I honestly can't remember any of the details to be specific. To the best of my knowledge, no one was ever caught for that crime. This is a sleepy town with just well over 50,000 people. We no longer get the newspaper, so I have no idea if this happened again. I do know that a couple was down by that same area and saw a dog man, which really frightened them badly. I heard about that on another YouTube channel. I just want people to be aware so they don't go out at night anymore, especially near the river. But then, we're not near the river, and I saw one in the middle of the night. Thank you for reading this report and doing all that you do. I used to live far into the desert and we would explore via jeep and one time we came across an old jail cell in the middle of nowhere with no other buildings nearby. Still had handcuffs on a chain. 
I served on a military attack ship for three years. I still remember this incident from one of my first sails. It was the middle of the night, around 4 a.m. I had just finished a night shift and decided to go to one of the outer decks for a bit before going to sleep. I went out, looked into the sea, and saw my grandmother's face. Now, my grandmother had been very ill for a while, and we all knew it was a matter of time. Anyway, I saw her face in the water and thought to myself, I think she is here to say goodbye. I wasn't scared by the thought, just sad. I saw her wave to me in the water, kind of smile, and then just sort of fade away. I very calmly walked back into the ship and went to sleep. Two days later, we got back to shore and could use cell phones. I called my dad, and he told me that my grandmother had passed away. He then informed me that it happened at around 4 am. Two days earlier. I've never told this to anyone. It's too sad to share. I spent most of my life running around the woods of Southern Oregon and I've seen some weird stuff out there. First story, way out in the middle of nowhere, far from any road, my friend and I stumbled across a large fenced-in area. 10 feet chain link. Inside the fence were all these trees planted in perfectly straight rows. No biggie, the Forest Service does sciency stuff out in the woods sometimes. What was odd is that every single tree was bent in a specific shape. All of them were crooked in the exact same way. We didn't climb the fence that day because our dogs were acting super sketchy and one ran off. We found him eventually, thank goodness, and despite looking, I've never found that place again. Back then, I was convinced it was a nefarious government project a la Stranger Things or Aliens, lol. The vibe was really weird there, in our defense. Now that I think about it, maybe someone was growing trees in that shape to make a boat, I read that people do this. The woods can be spooky sometimes so maybe it was aliens or Bigfoot, hee hee. Another time with that same friend, we were again out in the literal middle of nowhere, dry camping and hiking with the dogs. We found a small clearing that had a twin-sized rusty old iron bed frame, a small rusted out cook stove and some other rusty buckets and stuff. The odd part is that it was so far from anything, even old logging spur roads. Whoever lived out there really didn't want to be found or bothered. Can't blame them, really. I have a bunch more stories if anyone is interested. In high school, mid-1980s, we used to go out to the lake and stay the night. We would build a campfire and then when we got tired just sleep in our cars. It must have been around 11 pm when we decided to go for a hike into the thick wooded area. There was a trail. There were four of us. Three girls and one guy. We had flashlights but we really didn't need them because the moon was bright. Then I heard something that sounded like faint music. I asked the others if they heard it and they said they did. It was like music from a jewelry box. You know, the type that has that little ballerina that spins around. We keep walking. Then right in the middle of the damn trail there it was. A white jewelry box, with a ballerina. It was just in the middle of the trail, playing music. We turned around and started to run. Then we stopped and decided to go back to where it was. The damn thing was gone. It wasn't more than a minute and it was gone. We ran back, put the fire out and took our asses home. I found a goat skull in the middle of a ring of stones with moss that grew only inside the circle. I took it home. I soon after returned it because I started having nightmares and hearing whispering at night. At a truck stop between Vegas and California, there's a very large hole above the toilet. On the other side, there's an old massage room with a ripped curtain off to the side. While walking up a trail at a popular park in Santa Barbara, near the entrance, I started to notice small stick figures and groups of sticks arranged in an A shape, and figure shapes, hanging from very tall trees, out of reach for most. 
There was something in the middle or at the top of most of them, but I couldn't figure out what it was, gum, hair, or small intestine? I didn't stay looking long enough to find out. Although I did take pictures, I forgot about it until now. This was many years ago, and I should check my Google photos. Once, at my grandma's house around 2 a.m., I went out to my car to retrieve a laundry basket of clothes. I had come back from out of town earlier that night. As I stepped out of the house onto the sidewalk leading to the car, I looked up and swear I saw a very tall thing bow its head down and step backward out of sight. The best description I can give is that it looked whitish and had the head of maybe a wolf with pointy ears. For some reason, the word slinky comes to mind. I stopped dead in my tracks and stepped two steps backward into the house. The thing I saw was nearly as tall as the corner where the eaves of the roof met. I have to think it was my eyes playing tricks on me because that made zero sense. However, how could I see that from a reflection of street lights or whatever on a stucco wall? The street light would have been on the other side of a very large tree, so minimal light would have come through, if any. I don't know, but I could describe that thing I saw to a T if someone were to try and draw it, skinny, white, wolfy head, standing upright. I was four-wheeler riding with my buddies on some old logging roads in Lincoln County, West Virginia, that connect to the Hatfield MC Coy trails. We happened upon an old log cabin that was abandoned and sat a few yards off the trail, and we decided it would be a great spot to take a break. So, we're all sitting there on our quads, eating lunch and drinking a beer when I noticed this old apple tree off to the side of the cabin. I walked over and was looking it over to see if it had any apples on it. Once I got close to it, I realized that there were a bunch of mice dangling from fishing line that was tied to the branches of the tree. On closer inspection, there were probably 50 to 100 of them in various states of decay. They all looked smashed, so they had probably been caught in regular old mouse traps, and then someone was bringing them up there, tying little knots around their necks and then dangling them from the tree. Weirdest shit I've ever seen. I showed my buddies, and then we hurried up and got the hell out of there. A little black dog with a collar but no tags. Showed up randomly and stayed with my hiking group for a few days. We were really in the middle of nowhere, like far from any road in the Olympic National Forest. I really don't know where Thig Dog could have come from. It didn't seem to want any food, I think it did accept some on occasion. For the time it was with us, we constantly got lost, misinterpreted maps, ended up in awful terrain, etc. Which had not been happening before this. Then it disappeared just as suddenly as it showed up, and we figured out where we were at pretty much that exact moment and had no further troubles. Later that same night we camped in a big clearing, and around sunset we heard the most terrifying scream I've ever heard coming from just in the tree line, extremely loud. It sounded exactly like a woman screaming for her life. Just one long vocalization, then nothing. I cannot stress enough that this was a remote place, nowhere near any campground or road or anything. A few of us ran to try and find the source of it and called out if anyone needed help searched the whole area where it came from. Nothing. We did not sleep that night. I've heard mountain lions scream before. Foxes, coyotes, you name it. This sounded nothing like any of them. It was terrifying. Just the fact that those two events coincided on the same day like that has always given me the willies in a special sort of way. I met this girl on the internet. I invited her down to Sacramento, California to have some dinner. We were seated at this small round table, kind of facing each other. And all of a sudden this arm reached over my shoulder to grab my water glass. This guy's arm was so white, it looked like it had all the blood drained out of it. I mean, it was shocking. I could tell by the look on her face that she could see this guy that it was something. So when he walked around to the other side to get her water glass, I could see this guy. 
It wasn't just he looked pale, it looked like he was dead. No, it looked like he was drained totally of his blood. After he walked away, we said, whoa, did you see that? We were kind of talking about it like that. We got to talking about other things and while we were eating our dinner, the mater d' that had seated us, was leaning against the bar about 15 feet away from me waiting for a customer to come in and he didn't know I was looking at him, I don't think. From the side, all of a sudden, he just kind of raised his lips for a second and I clearly saw fangs. And then maybe half a minute, 45 seconds later, he saw a customer come in the door and he Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24 smiled to greet him and clearly, there were no fangs there. I know what I saw. I clearly saw fangs on him and then the next second they weren't. Couple that with the guy who looked like he had all of his blood drained out of him. That was very scary. The girl I was with also noticed odd things occurring as well. We finished our dinner as quickly as possible. We felt so uneasy about walking back to my place that night, even though I lived only two blocks away. I hailed a cab. Just a note. There was a bizarre unexplained death reported at that same restaurant three weeks later. I wonder if it was somehow related? In early March of 2020, I was sitting upright in my upstairs master bedroom feeding my three-month-old daughter a bottle. The TV was off, it was dark outside and approximately 6.30 p.m. For purposes of the story, the layout of the room is important. From my seated position to my immediate right was my bathroom, then a little up from the bathroom was a dresser with a mirror on it, and then up from that was an open door to the hallway. The bathroom light was on, my bedside table light was on, and I could see a little bit into the hallway. Anyway, I'm feeding my daughter, and quietly enjoying a moment to myself while my wife and three-year-old were downstairs watching TV. As I'm feeding her, I catch movement in the hallway, outside of the bedroom. I saw it out of the corner of my eye and then pivoted my face to look at the movement. What I saw, I can't really explain, but the feeling in my chest was an immediate rush of anxiety. I saw a darkened but transparent torso shape with no legs and no head and it was moving toward or into the bedroom. It looked like a shadow through a screen door. It didn't float but shuffled as if walking, and the torso would have been about my height, around 5 foot 10 inches. The shadow or glimmer crossed into the bedroom, and then in front of the mirror, but it cast no shadow and did not reflect in the mirror. I watched it as it crossed into the light of the bathroom and then disappeared. My daughter's eyes flashed open, which was strange because she was sleep eating, and I noped the hell right out of the room as fast as I could. If I hadn't been holding her, I would have left her on the bed. The being was not a shadow. I repeat, not a shadow. No cars passed in front of the house, and my other child and wife were below me in the TV room. It could not have been something moving in front of the house because the shape or shadow would have changed as it crossed the dividing wall between the hallway and the bedroom. I grabbed my baseball bat and went back through every room in the house and found nothing. Like, my Louisville slugger would have been able to do anything about it, but I had to try. I'm not a believer, but I'm not against the idea of other things beyond my scope of understanding being out in the world. What the hell was that? 
It all began almost a month ago when I was approached with this idea. For some backstory, but not too much for privacy concerns, I am a photographer for a pretty well-known magazine. My job consists of mostly traveling to beautiful destinations, seeking out all there is to see, and snapping photos. Now of course there's more to it than that, and I take great pride in my work, but that's the gist of it. It truly is my dream job. Well, was my dream job. After all of this, I don't know if I can continue. The subject of my latest adventure is the US Pacific Northwest. Specifically, the wild and beautiful wilderness it contains. My first stop, the Northern Cascades. Here I would be backpacking 20 miles into the national park with stops along the way. Loaded up with enough gear and food for four days out in the wilderness I began my trek. Now, I should say that my employer. While they're not the most lucrative company in terms of how they treat their photographers. They pay well, but not that well, and hiring me an assistant? Out of the question. But the job does have its perks, including access to many places off-limits to the general public. Including the areas I would be visiting along my journey. Luckily, I've been doing this for a few years now, and hiking 20 miles in 60-degree weather is paradise compared to some of the things I've had to withstand in my career. Around 10 p.m. of the first day I pitched my tent and hunkered down, went over some photos of marmots, deer and a fox that I had captured, then put out the lantern and got some rest. I awoke around 2 a.m. to a loud banging noise off in the distance. Not unusual, but still unsettling. The thing about camping alone so far from anything, is there's no one to talk to. No one to bounce ideas off of. No one to rationalize with. And no one to calm you down when you can't keep it together. The noise subsided though and so did my lucidity. My eyes fell heavy and I collapsed back into sleep. The next day went just as well and I reached my destination, catching some beautiful vistas along the way. After capturing everything I had set out to do, I made camp and relaxed for the night. Again, I awoke to loud banging. Louder banging. This was definitely closer, and also accompanied by something new and incredibly unnerving. A noise that is hard to describe. I've tried thinking of ways to describe it, but the closest I can come would be to liken it to something like an owl's hoot, but much longer and with the pitch lowered way down. Something like a bullfrog's croak but even lower, much louder, and with that weird little coo that owls have. I've talked to several park rangers since then, and even played a recording that I caught of one on my phone, but no one has been able to identify it. It echoes in my mind even as I write this. It's hard to describe how bone-chilling it is, and I have no idea why. And to hear it, when you're so far out, alone, with no cell service or any way of signaling for help. I can't even describe the feeling. Despite the enormous dread, the sound again went away after just a few moments. This time though, getting back to sleep wasn't as easy. After an hour of laying in total silence, clenching my bear spray, I finally fell back asleep. But you want to know what the worst part was? Knowing the next morning that I still had two days left out here. Except, that wasn't gonna work for me. I packed up as fast as I could, and began hiking back at a brisk pace. I worked out that if I walked faster and with fewer breaks, I could make it back in a little over a day, meaning I would only need to stay one more day in this place, and that by then I would be much closer to the busier trails, and therefore safer. I walked 12 hours straight, with only two slight breaks, and managed to make it even further than I expected. At this pace, I could reach the truck by 1am if I walked straight through, and though I was exhausted as hell, that's exactly what I did. Everything went pretty well, until about 10.45pm, only a few minutes after total darkness had fallen over the forest, when again, I began hearing the noise. The sounds had an otherworldly quality to them, like a cat's purr if you reversed it, lowered the pitch and filtered it through a megaphone. My legs were burning, but it didn't matter, I walked even faster. No matter how fast or slow I walked though, the noises always sounded the same distance away. It never got closer to me, 
but it was always close, seemingly just out of eyesight. After over an hour of this nightmare, I caught a glimmer of the brown trailhead sign, and beyond that the reflection of my jeep's headlights. I ran. Threw my supplies in the back tailgate and hightailed it out of there. But, this is where things get even weirder. As I was pulling away, in my rearview mirror, I caught a small glimpse of what was causing the noises. At the time, I didn't know what I was even seeing. Something tall. Very tall, with a darkness around it that seemed to repel the ambient red glow from my tail lights. Around it, a long tattered robe, seemingly crimson in color, though this could have been due to my tail lights glow. Either way, the image was visually striking and physically jarring. As the dust trail left by my jeep grew in size, the figure slowly faded back into the surrounding forest. Now, if this all sounds crazy, well, you damn right it is. I have been to some incredible places, and some very frightening places, but I have never seen or felt anything like this before. But it doesn't end there unfortunately. Two days later, the next wing of my trip took me to Mount Rainier National Park. Now, I was a little nervous still, but now I was 200 miles away. Whatever it was, was surely gone now. If you've never been, the sheer vastness and beauty of MRNP is breathtaking. So after half a day of taking in the sights, the uneasiness faded away. Even the first night went by without issue. A little hesitant at first, I quickly felt relaxed enough to drift asleep staring up at the stars through the observation window in my tent. Waking the next morning, I found nothing out of place and nothing suspicious, confirming that whatever it was, truly was far away. Another two days of hiking went by without any issues or disturbances, aside from a few cougar sightings and a pack of wolves in the distance on my second night. It wasn't until my last night that I experienced it again. Sleeping on my last night, less than three miles from my jeep, the same noises woke me in the middle of the night. Except this time it was very, very close. I shot up, grabbed my light, and shined it outside of the tent. Immediately, the light caught a glimpse of what I could now confirm was an old tattered crimson red robe gliding behind a giant evergreen. I became frozen in fear. My still waking mind could not even comprehend what I was seeing, or what was happening. The demonic purring noises seemingly teased me from behind the tree. Now fully lucid, I began to contemplate my options. Option 1, make a run for it, leaving all my gear behind. The least likely. Not only would I be leaving literally tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment, but I would have no chance of sprinting the three miles needed to reach the jeep. Besides that, whatever this was had to be fast to reach me so quickly, and also incredible at tracking. So option 1, was a no-go. Option 2, spray the shit out of this thing with bear spray and then run for it. Only slightly better than option 1. Still not viable. And option 3, the least fun, but probably most logical option. Remain in the tent until morning, and defend myself if I have to. And so I did. I'm not sure what time I woke up, I was too nervous to even look at my phone, but I do know it was hours before sunlight. About 30 minutes after the first rays reached my tent, the noises finally went away. It was another 45 before I felt safe enough to pack up and begin the hike back. I reached my jeep and again broke every law in the park on my way out, leaving tire marks in the freshly paved road out. I rented a hotel and regrouped, talking to a few friends of mine who were frequent hikers in the area. None of them had ever experienced anything like this, and only one actually believed everything I was saying. I decided to skip my next two stops, Olympics National Park and the Ho Rainforest. Employer be damned, it doesn't take a genius to realize that would be a bad idea. So, I decided to just go straight for my last stop, a much safer option, Cannon Beach, Oregon. Here, I would just be taking some photos of legendary Haystack Rock at different times of day, sunrise, sunset, and some astrophotography shots with the rock as the subject. Even better, I would be staying in a seaside room with a view of the rock, 
so I could take shots from my balcony without even going outside. Again, the first day went by with no issues. Photos came out great, and it was time to get my rig set up for some time-lapse photos of the rock against the night sky. Seeing as I was on the third floor, and everything was automated I decided to let the rig do its work and get some rest. Because of the skip stops, I would have extra days here in case they didn't come out perfect the first time. I woke the next morning to find my entire setup on the ground outside on the balcony. The whole thing weighed close to 50 pounds, so even though the gusts near the shore got pretty strong, I was doubtful that was the cause. Luckily, nothing was damaged, so I wasn't too concerned. Until I checked the SD card. The first two hours of the time-lapse went great, but then something odd started to emerge in the photos. In the corner of each frame, a red tint began to slowly encompass the image, until the photos were nothing but crimson red cloth. That was last night, and I'm afraid things aren't getting better. I'm packing the jeep and planning on leaving for the airport immediately. But something strange happened again. Today, in broad daylight, as I was catching one last look at the beach and all the tourists taking photos, atop the rock I saw a tall dark figure, in a long tattered, crimson robe. In the fall of 1995, in Barberton, Ohio, just outside of Akron, my best friend and a guy friend were driving by a very old cemetery near my home, Kaiser Cemetery on Swigert Road. They described seeing a large creature with red eyes that flew or chased their car and kept up, no matter how fast he drove or what turns he made. One second, she saw it in the side view mirror, the next second he saw it in front. They said it bolted from front to behind effortlessly and only disappeared when they turned onto a main road with heavy traffic, none of us, just kids at the time, had ever heard of the Moth Man. I wasn't quite sure I believed it until she made me tack up blankets over my bedroom window, you could see the graveyard in the distance from my house, and push my dresser in front of it. She also insisted on sleeping with me in my bed and literally wouldn't even let me go to the bathroom without her because she was so terrified at what had happened. Neither of them has spoken much about it in the years since that night since our other friends, unfortunately, made fun of them, but I believe them both. You just can't fake that kind of terror. Interesting side note, I am of mixed blood, part of which is Shawnee from near the Point Pleasant area. I know of no other sightings in that area, or any incidents involving that cemetery, beyond accidentally crashing my bicycle there. Just thought you would enjoy this little piece of personal history. My best friend Rob and I do an annual hunting trip the third week of October every year for early deer season. We take a whole week off of work and set up camp to stay the full week this is a very remote area in the northeast corner of Washington state in the mountains. We're the only people up there the entire week. In 2017 we arrived on Saturday at our hunting spot and set up camp which took a couple of hours. We use a big canvas hunting tent that we can both stay in with plenty of room to move around and store all of our gear. At some point the first day after we set up I did a few tree knocks and a call to see if we might get a response. My buddy Rob was a skeptic at the time and had no interest in the Sasquatch thing whatsoever but tolerated me doing it. We got nothing back and went on with our day and didn't give it another thought. We're there to hunt so that's what we were focused on. As I remember we went out the first afternoon to hunt for a few hours and then returned back to camp after dark. Nothing happened out of the ordinary the first night. The next day we woke up early to get out to a spot to hunt for the day. That day we returned to camp early afternoon for lunch and as we turned to head down the dirt path to our camp we immediately noticed a small tree that was uprooted like a carrot and placed across the path. Rob and I looked at each other and Rob said that wasn't there when we left this morning and he was right it wasn't there when we left. This was very weird, to say the least. I hopped out of the side-by-side -side to walk over and take a look. What we realized right away was that something had carried this tree and placed it there. 
There are no dirt drag marks like you'd see if someone or something had drug it in there. I picked up the tree and a bunch of dirt fell off the large root ball and the small tree was fairly heavy. We proceeded to look around and inspect both tree lines on both sides of the path to see if we could find the source or a hole where it was pulled from. We looked around for 20 to 30 minutes and couldn't find anything. Something or someone carried that tree and placed it in there and placed it there. We took a few photos and carried on with our day. We decided to set up two game cameras in camp to hopefully catch anything that might be messing with us. When we were gone out hunting we set up one behind our tent and one in the middle of our campsite facing our camp table. We headed back out to hunt after lunch and again returned after dark. This is when the distant knock started. We hopped out of the vehicle and right away heard a distant knock, then another that sounded like it came from an opposite direction. Rob was scratching his head wondering what could be making knocks in such a remote area in the mountains. We soon realized that this was some kind of a signal that would happen every night. A few days later we returned back to camp after dark. As we turned down the entrance to our camp we saw the second tree, another tree was down in camp. We noticed it immediately. As we pulled in this one was around 25 feet tall and very healthy. Rob hit it with his flashlight and I snapped a couple of photos with my phone. This tree was big and it almost hit our camp table. There was no wind all that day, in fact, there was no wind the entire week. We couldn't believe this was happening. It was really hard for us to wrap our heads around it all. At this point, it really started to feel like we were in danger. If a tree that size was pushed over onto our tent at night it could kill us. We thought about this and talked about the possibility of this happening. As soon as we jumped out of the side-by-side -side, we heard a knock that sounded closer than the night before. Then another from a different location. Again, it was like they or whatever it was were signaling or communicating in some way. A couple more knocks and then it stopped. Again, Rob and I were really on edge at this point. Finding the trees and then hearing the knocks both nights when we arrived back to camp. We made a fire and carried on, fixed some dinner, and eventually went into the tent to go to bed. At some point later that night Rob woke me up. The knocks had started again and were really loud and sounded very close. This was about 2 or 3 am and this would happen for multiple nights at approximately the same time. We decided we needed to exit the tent to try to see if we could see anything. So we got dressed as fast as we could, grabbed our sidearms, and ran out of the tent in opposite directions. We met with each other on the back side of the tent and scanned the woods with their flashlights. We stood there for a while quietly and just tried to listen. We stayed outside the tent for maybe 15 or 20 minutes looking around the camp and talking about what was happening. We eventually went back into the tent and back to bed. On day 4 we slept in a little the next morning since we didn't get much sleep during the night. I remember getting up tired and looking at the big tree that had been pushed over in the middle of our camp. Rob was also up and he reminded me that we had set up one of the game cams in the middle of camp, and that it would I should have caught the tree going down the previous day. I'll never forget this. He walked over to the tree with the game cam and said, Nate, get over here. You're not going to believe this. I walked over and he punched at the game cam. Something had placed a dead moth backward and slightly squished it over the eye of the camera. This seemed bizarre to both of us. We stood there confused for a few moments and then Rob flicked the moth off of the camera and started to check it for any photos. The only thing we got was some really dark pictures as if something was covering the lens, but nothing before or after these photos. The next night, I was asleep and Rob was still awake lying on his cot. He said he heard something moving around the tent. He then heard what he said sound like a stick being drug all the way around on and across the tent until it reached his side. It went right by his head. He decided not to wake me up. This is very unsettling for me to hear. Every time we returned back to camp multiple knocks from multiple areas would start. By the sixth night, we're both exhausted and stressed out from lack of sleep. To be honest I was afraid to go to bed in the tent again. But reluctantly went to bed that night anticipating that we were going to get harassed and terrorized again. 
So we both had trouble going to sleep even as tired as we were again. Around 2 or 3 am we were woken up by the knocks. They were very loud and sounded like they were right behind the tent. Both of us were also angry at this point. We were both sleeping with our clothes on to be ready to go out of the tent faster if we had to. Again we went out of the tent and in opposite directions. Around the tent, we stood there again and didn't hear anything. Nothing was moving or running away. We scanned the forest with the flashlights again and Rob caught some eye shine across the field that appeared to be fairly tall or high compared to the ground. We both shot our guns in that direction thinking that maybe we'll scare it off whatever it was. I'm not sure that was the smartest thing to do looking back on it, but we were desperate and wanted all this to stop. With our adrenaline still high we stayed up for a while but eventually went back in the tent and dozed off. At some point, after all this, I woke up again and heard something growling right behind my corner of the tent, right behind my head. It was a loud, deep guttural growl. I was terrified and I lay there for a minute wondering if I had just dreamed this. Then it happened again. This time I woke Rob up. It happened again, two more times for a total of four growls. Rob heard it too. We rushed out of the tent again and saw or heard nothing. How could this be? How could something be that close to the tent but it's not there? How could something move away so fast without us hearing it? Whatever this was it seemed to have special abilities and was getting the best of us. We still had one more day and night to go on our trip. If we were to stick to our original plans. The next morning, I checked the other game cam behind the tent hoping that it had gone off and caught whatever was growling at us. There was a series of photos from that night that had a ghostly white mist in them. Nothing else. That was probably a breath from something. We decided to call it and spend the last night at a family cabin on a lake around 30 minutes away from the hunting camp. We needed some sleep and we couldn't deal with it anymore. So I've been a huge fan of this and other similar reddit pages for years now and finally have a fitting story of my own. Quick bit of backstory me, 32 male, my brother, 28 male, and disabled mom all live together in a trailer about 30 minutes from Nashville, Tennessee. I was wary of moving there at first for the stereotypes you may hear about trailer parks but luckily we've had zero issues in the 10 years we've been here very nice neighbors well-kept yards, etc. Okay story time so about a week ago we were finally putting up our Christmas tree drinking probably too much beer, listening to Christmas music, Christmas spirit in full swing. During our random banner my brother says oh yeah I can't believe I forgot to tell you earlier today at work the owner had to kick out some guy who was acting super creepy. My brother works as the stalker at a family-owned little market about a mile from our home. He went on to tell me this younger looking guy was pacing the aisles, sometimes standing still for minutes at a time and not responding when the owner would ask if he needed help finding something. After about 20 minutes of this the owner asked him to please leave because he was scaring the customers and without a word he left. We continue with our good time hanging ornaments, drinking, getting our mom involved, with the ornaments not the drinking of course lol, and all is good. We wrap up around 10.30 p.m. help our mom to bed, she's in a wheelchair, and decide we might as well finish off the ton of beer we have left and admire our decked out tree. Around 11.30 we decide to go out on the front porch to share a cigarette as we usually do when we've tied on a good buzz. My brother opens the door and almost immediately closes it. I ask what's up and he says holy shit the guy I was telling you about just like Michael Myers walked down the street past our house. I thought that was pretty strange but wasn't super concerned. We waited for a few minutes then went and smoked as usual and went back inside. My brother and I aren't troublemakers at all but I'm pretty confident in our ability to defend ourselves if we had to. At this point these are just thoughts in the back of my mind though after all I hadn't even seen this guy, yet. Fast forward to about 2 am. We're more than drunk enough to go ahead and call it a night after one more ciggy. My brother opens the door and within seconds I hear him say whoa whoa hey man you good? Hey buddy what's up? You good? 
I'm in the kitchen at the time but quickly decided this doesn't sound right and rush over to the door. What I see when I get to the open door is a younger man standing on our deck about 3 feet from our front door. He's pretty tall about 6 foot 4 and another thing I noticed is he looks a lot like Adam Driver which was a detail my brother jokingly mentioned earlier during tree time so I'm realizing for the first time this must be the guy he's been talking about. One thing my brother must have not got close enough to notice at work though was this guy's eyes. I'm not exaggerating when I say I've never seen anything like it. His body language wasn't super menacing but his eyes were the strangest combination of wide-eyed bewilderment and fury, like us opening our front door confused him and also made him very very angry. I joined my brother in explaining to him that it's late and he should head home. After what I'd say was about 30 seconds of staring he just walked off without a word. I peeked out of our blinds to make sure he really left and saw nothing. We both tried to laugh it off and were saying things like well that was pretty weird huh? But it took a while for my adrenaline to taper off. The thing I kept thinking to myself that bothered me was those 30 seconds to me felt like he was the one deciding what the next move would be, but what that could have been I have no idea. I also didn't love that my brother said when he opened the door he was already standing there, so for how long? We calmed down watching YouTube videos and after another 30 minutes or so I say to my brother okay man let's just go to bed I'll take one more look outside to be safe but felt like it wasn't really necessary. I open the door and he's back again. The street lights are spaced very far apart in our trailer park but at the edge of our driveway there I see a silhouette probably 50 feet away again just staring at our front door. I feel I should mention he's not there texting or on the phone with someone, he's just there. I feel bad in hindsight because I'm sure this poor guy definitely has mental health issues but between being drunk and exhausted and the look he gave us earlier I was over it. I finally put some bass in my voice and said hey man you can't just stand in our driveway, you're being creepy dude just please leave I really don't want to call the cops on you so don't make me. This seemed to work his demeanor didn't change at all but the word cops seemed to do the trick, he turned around and walked away. I hope we handled it well. I understand and empathize with people with mental health problems and have friends and family who unfortunately suffer from those things. However, I still can't shake the feeling that something bad could have happened that night. He didn't finally leave our porch earlier that night until I showed up to the door essentially making him outnumbered and even then still he came back after. I hope he's okay out there we haven't seen him since. I also hope not calling the police wasn't a bad choice and that he isn't out there with bad intentions on somebody else's front deck at 2am who lives alone or is elderly act. I wish I could have figured out what that was all about but during every interaction me or my brother had with him that day and night he never spoke a word. Pretty creepy. Thanks for reading. Hope I did a decent job conveying my story this is my first reddit post ever so I don't know I hope it's an easy read happy holidays everybody.